Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Listen, I'm not afraid to say you guys are going to love this episode, okay? Like usually I'm not that 100% confident, but I'm telling you with this one, you're going to love this. So we have Jill O'Boyle on the show today, and we are going to talk about some pretty amazing things. Jill, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with me. This is so exciting. Thank you so much for having me. So why don't we start with just take a minute and let everybody know a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah. So I am a high performance coach. I'm an author and motivational speaker, and I help high achievers. uh, Usually they're mid to senior level managers who just helping them to unsubscribe from the hustle, the burnout mentality, and just rise up and find freedom. You're such a natural fit for my audience too, for exactly that reason, because we are like high functioning, high achieving, go getter people. Um, and we do get caught up in all of those things, but I really want you, I love that you said find freedom and Mm -hmm. I want you to explain what you mean by that. Yes. So my story, you know, I always say a coach always has a story, right? And I live my life (laughs) on this burnout mentality. Like say I was living my life on this hamster wheel of busy work and burnout. And through that, I kind of like looked back at my life and I was like, kept asking that question. Like, what is it, Jill, that you are like craving so much? And that word freedom just kept coming up. I'm like, I just want to find freedom. And I think as a young girl um, growing up, like I was a free spirit. Whatever brought Jill joy, Jill did. Like follow the breadcrumbs of joy. And I was very intuitive and just really just followed whatever I thought I wanted to do. And it really brought me happiness and it brought me freedom. And I that filled my soul. But I got to a point in my life, really, I would say around the age 30, where I became a mom, I became a, you know, I became a wife first, and then I became a mom, um, was pretty much killing it in my career, growing in my career. And, but yet as I was growing in my career, I was like, got to that point, like, is this it? Like, I think I heard this voice in my head, like say, so this is it. Like, this is what, this is where you're at. Like you're a wife, you're a mom. Uh, you're going to work all the time. Like, just accept that this is it. Like your fun days of finding joy are now over. (laughs) And that really didn't sit real well with me because I was like, wow, really? (laughs) (laughs) That's where we've gotten to? Like, this is it? And (laughs) I hate to say it, but I really got stuck there. And I started accepting these lies and these, these beliefs in my head. And that really formed um, some really unhealthy patterns. lifestyle. And so I like, I'm so passionate about helping women to find this freedom that they're looking for and really diving in deep with my clients to say, what is it? What's freedom mean to you? Like, what is the life that you're craving? And why are we staying in that hustle mentality? Why are we staying in this burnout mentality? What is it that you really want to get? And let's, let's go get it. Um, 
And so it's it's like an unpacking of just really what does freedom mean to you? And it means something, I think, differently to everybody, but yet similar. They just want to be live their life and be who they are. That young girl inside wants to come back out. Yeah, so true because you talk yourself out of so many things. And I know for sure I hear this with my clients a lot. Like, and I catch myself still doing it, you know, and I've done a ton of mindset work and all that stuff. But these are things that are pervasive. Like that you don't just work on something one time and it's solved and you can move on with your life. Like all of these things are stuff we have to work on on ongoing basis, right? So I even still Mm -hmm. catch myself doing it where I'll think, oh, I want to do X, Y, Z, whatever the thing is. And then I'll immediately kind of talk myself out of it. I'll go, oh, I want to do that. And I'll be like, well, maybe not. Maybe that's not the right thing. Maybe it's not the right time in my career, right? And those rationalizations and justifications are very valid because they are about like, I don't have enough time or I can't afford it. Like that stuff is valid. And that's what makes it feel so real. Exactly. At the same time, you have to be so mindful that your brain is going to that inner critic, as we say, right, Mm -hmm. is going to try to talk you out of things because it's going to be hard, which means it's going to be uncomfortable. And your brain does not like to be uncomfortable. (laughs) No, it does not. Yes. Yes. Our inner critic loves to just come up. It constantly wants to focus on all these negative things or remind you of your past, right? I always say when you're really trying to find that freedom, you really are craving that you're wanting to get back to where a a time in your life where you probably felt the fullest, like felt like you were just living your best life. But this inner critic comes back and and whispers softly like, Oh no, 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 no. Like, you know, you can't have that life or you can't do that. Right. Like just exactly what you were saying. Like you're, you're not good enough. Like, you know, or you're just a mom or you're just a, a a wife or you're just a, a project manager. You know, I spent most of my career in project management. Like, why do you think that you would deserve something like that? These lies that are like in our head and it, if you don't catch it really to understand, like, is this the truth or is this a lie? Like, what is it saying that I'm not good enough? Well, let's, let's question that because you know what? I've done difficult things in my past and I was able to navigate through those very well. So why would this one be any different? Like, how do I not know if I don't try? As I said before, like I'm a very intuitive woman. And I, I still am. I just kind of lost that. I think it's something that you got to get in the habit of like quieting the noise around us. Like the world is so loud. And so like getting in that state of mind where you can find time to just be still and like really ask yourself, like, what are the voices that I'm hearing? Like what is always coming up? And how do I know if that's like a truth or a lie? Because it's really a, it's a battle between your like heart and your mind. And it's like, usually you're going to see something and you're going to be like, Ooh, I want to do that. Like, Oh, that trip that I, that I just saw, like, I want to do that. And like your heart says yes. And then like five seconds after your heart says, yes, your mind says, are you crazy? Like you can't go on that trip. You have no money, like blah, 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 blah. Right. So like tap into like that, what your heart desires. Cause I think when you can tap in and start living your life, like truly to like what your heart is desiring, like that's where you'll find the freedom. Like you got to get out of your own way. You got to get out of your head. Yeah. You know, travel was one of the first things. It was probably the first thing that I spent a lot of money on that was really scary mm. to me. And many years ago, exactly what you said. Like I remember going, oh my gosh, I so want to do this. I so want to go on this trip. And then immediately it was like, you can't afford that. Like, how are you going to pull that off? Right. Yeah. And 
I just thought, let me break this down in little pieces, right? Which of course is how I coach too. Like, let's make this small and achievable. And that's exactly what I did. So it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll just research it and see what would that look like? What are my options? Mm -hmm. Like, is it $10 million or $1,000? You know, like I didn't even have that information. I was already talking myself out of it and telling myself I couldn't afford it. I didn't even know how much it cost. You know, so it's so crazy how it works. And I ended up doing that trip and it was so freaking scary, like hitting the buy button, you know, going, okay, (laughs) I'm committing to this. This chunk of money is coming out of my account. I was so freaked out on so many levels, but I knew I wanted to do it. And it was a game changer. It really was. Taking that action and doing it was a game changer. Mm -hmm. And that's what really started my passion for travel was the one time just challenging myself to do it despite the inner critic. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so powerful. And I always say like when your fear is the loudest, because I think inner critic and fear go together, right? It's just a, that's really what our, the inner critic, like what it's doing, you know, our minds only know like what it knows. And so when you're about to do something that you haven't done before, or you're about to step out of that comfort zone, like the brain is its only way to help you is to keep you in that survival mode. And so it's like, Ooh, you're getting a little too far, Jill. You're, you're stepping a little too far out of that comfort zone. And so I always say like when your fear is the loudest and that inner critic is the loudest, like tune into that because it's usually meaning that you're about to walk into something great. You're about to walk into something that is going to set you up for success. And so like really, really hone into like those voices, like sometimes it can be good. It can like, if you tap into it and you can start to hear the voices, you're like, Oh, and you can have fun with it. Cause I, I like to name my inner critic. I give her a name cause it makes it a lot more fun. And so I, so no offense to anybody whose name is Margot. And so when I hear her and she's like, you know, really loud and chattery in my head, I'll, I'll make some fun of it and be like, Oh, I hear you, Margot. Oh, I hear you loud and clear. And, and thank you for trying to protect me. But um, I think I'm going to walk into something pretty badass. So appreciate you being here, but I'm still going to do it anyway. That's really good too, that to acknowledge it and have some gratitude for it instead of being irritated by it or put yes. off by it. I love that. That's so powerful. Just like, mm-hmm. hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate you trying to protect me. At the same time, I think this is going to be kick-ass. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you can have you can have some fun with it for sure. It is a whole dialogue. Like the inner critic is not a monologue of it just talking because I, all of us talk back to it, you know, mm-hmm. and which also was a powerful exercise for me, especially when I was getting sober, like whenever a thought of a drink would pop into my head or I'd think, oh, mm-hmm. I want a drink or something like that. I'd be like, sorry, dude, we don't drink anymore. Like get over it. You got to figure out a different solution yes. because that's not what we do anymore. Like it mm-hmm. was a dialogue. Like mm-hmm. it, I go back and forth with that voice in my head and hashing it all out. <laughs> oh, all, all the time. Like I was stuck in a long time of, and I think this is where sometimes if you're not familiar with the inner critic or you're not um, tuned into to really knowing how to navigate it, it can hold you in dark spots in places for a long time. But I share really openly about how my burnout and living my life on that hamster wheel of busy work and how the noise was so loud. Like we have emotions that come up all the time, but many of us, what we do is we don't 
deal with the emotions, right? We don't want to sit with our feelings. We don't want to even like think about that. And so we just, when the noise is so loud, it's easy for us to listen to that inner critic more because we're just like, oh yeah, you're right. Right. Cause we're just, we're just so busy. We're on this hustle mentality and we hear something and we're like, oh yeah, you're right. Like you don't even have time to sit down to like really process like what is these voices? Is that true or not? And so I always say people like, you know, miss opportunities all the time because they're just, they're just going through the motions of the busy work. When you do that, you can get stuck in some really bad habits and some unhealthy patterns. Like for me, I kept hearing the voice of like, you're not good enough. You're unlovable. Like your husband doesn't love you. I think earlier I talked about like, well, you're just a wife. You're just a mom. Like, and that didn't really sit well. And instead of like really diving into that truth, like, is that a truth or a lie? Like I just kept believing the lies over and over and over. And the one thing that I knew that I was really good at was work. So I was in project management. I led a whole, led a, a team in project management in a, in a way to cope with those voices. I just was like, well, I know I'm really good at work. So I'll just continue working and working and working. Well, that, you know, wasn't healthy for my marriage. Wasn't healthy for my kids. Like mom was working all the time or traveling all the time. And then I would get home and I still didn't want to deal with what I was feeling. So I would numb it with wine. So one glass turned into two, turned into three. And so I just found myself on this bad hamster wheel of drinking and working, drinking and working. Well, Angela, you know where that led? That led me to being late night at the office all the time, working on like a huge project with a coworker. And then now, because I feel like I'm not good enough, because I feel like I'm unlovable, because I feel like all these voices in my my head are telling me these lies. Now I have an inappropriate relationship. I'm caught up in a an affair with a coworker. It was bad, like rock bottom moment where I looked in the mirror one day and I was like, holy shit, like, how did I get here? I know my husband loves me. Like, we just weren't communicating and all the unhealthy habits just started taking over my life. So when I say like, we got to fire that inner critic and we got to really like stop the hustle and like sit down, like nobody wants to sit down with our feelings. But when you start getting in those habits, like you really need to, to sit down and really think like, what's the truth? What's the lie? And what's really going on? Like, what's the root of this problem? And it was only until that moment when I finally looked in that mirror and I realized, wow, I've got to change that I did that, you know, I, I had to get to my rock bottom to see how much burnout had affected me, how much my inner critic had affected me. And so when I finally started like sitting down and really getting a pen and a paper out and journaling some things, like then I saw the truth. And through that, you know, my marriage has been restored. Like our marriage is better than it's ever been, which is sounds crazy to anybody who may have went through an affair, but like we got really intentional. And so I talk openly on my podcast, like, you can turn these battles in your life to a breakthrough. You can use it for good. And like, look at that. Like I'm sharing openly in a book on stages about my affair to just try to help somebody else in need. So sometimes these inner critics, like they can lead you places you would never think you would have been, but really get a handle on it. Really try to get out of your own way and, and sit down and stop this hustle to really tune into what the voices are that you're hearing. And the hustle isn't always, I feel like that term is always used in like work and career, but the hustle is not only professional, right? The hustle right. is also life, like just getting totally. through day to day, especially 
especially if you're a spouse and a parent, right? Like there are so many moving parts from the minute your eyes open till you fall in bed. There are so many things to do. You're being pulled a thousand directions. And me, I don't have kids. Uh, but I'm the same way with work, right? It is work for me and right. that I have multiple businesses. So being pulled all those different directions 24-7, phone blowing up 24-7, you have to get really intentional, just like you said, about how am I living my life? Mm-hmm. What do I want this to look like? How do I set some healthy boundaries? I've had to really set some boundaries yeah. in my professional life because I will sacrifice everything, you know, like I will run myself ragged, like just working because I can Mm -hmm. and I love it too. You know, there's not a piece of my work that I don't love and enjoy. And that makes it even easier to do it way too much. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm totally with you on that because I'm I'm the same right now with my new, you know, with coaching and, and leaving project management. It's like, I have to make sure that I'm intentional about it because a, like I can find myself back in that trap of burnout again, but I think there's just something different when you truly find your purpose and it lights you up and you have this passion like I do right now and you do too. I can see it. Like it is easy to work all the time when you love what you do, but you, there's that fine line to be intentional about just making sure you don't cross that. Do you find when you talk about getting stuck or being stuck Do you find with your clients or even your personal experience, was there an area of your life that that you were stuck in more than other areas? Because I always think of life Mm -hmm. as the wheel, right? And there are all these, there's professional, family, spiritual, there are all these components of life. Do you find in your experience or with your clients that people get more stuck in some areas than and thrive more often in other areas? Yeah. So it's most of my clients, um, they're coming to me because they're stuck in some capacity and whether that's work, right. They're the burnout in their work or they're stuck in their personal relationships, right. Their personal life. Like you said, like there's just, we live in a busy world. Like we have a lot on our plate and a lot of our agenda And so I have found that most people they're stuck, really, it's not a, you know, you're not physically stuck, but you are stuck emotionally into adapting some kind of a belief of this, um, like you've accepted the lies. And I think it it goes back to most time what I find with my clients is it stems from this sense of people pleasing and perfectionism. And it's this constant battle where they find themselves stuck is because most of the time they're high achievers and they're contributors. So they, they thrive when people say, Hey, would you, would you help me with this? And they're like, immediately they're like, yes, I'd love to help you because that fuels their thing. Like they feel like they're being helpful, but what they're doing is they, they give and 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 they give. And And so they're stuck because they get home and they have nothing to give. So they have nothing to give to themselves. So they're starting to feel depleted. Like I always ask this question to my clients and I always get like, I'm always shocked, but yet I get I'm not because I was the same way. I always ask them, I was like, what do you love to do? Like what brings you joy? What is one thing that you love to do? And they stare like this long pause and they're like, Jill, I don't even know. I don't even know. And that's because of this people pleasing that has been adopted as a young child 
where they feel we need so much of this approval from others. We, we hate rejection. And so we want to be liked all the time. And social media has just blown this up even more. I feel terrible for these young kids who are having this like right by their phone and addicted to their phones all the time of this approval. So it goes into like this people pleasing and contribution where they're getting stuck because they have not filled their cup up at all. And I always say, you have to fill your cup up before you serve other people. And so because of that, it starts to wear on all this stuff and our inner critic starts firing up more because then they feel like they start blaming their husband because they're not, you know, contributing enough or they start blaming their kids. And it just is a trickle effect. And they're like, I just don't know anymore. Like, I don't, I don't do anything for myself. I don't know the last time I've had fun. And so it's like this people pleasing. And then I always say like perfectionism too, is they, they feel in their mind that they're never good enough. Um, and that's a definitely a childhood trauma that somehow they've adopted this belief that they are not good enough. They are not worthy to receive. They just have to strive harder and harder, whether that's in their marriage, you know, like my spouse, like I kind of adapted that where I thought, you know, my husband didn't love me. And so, you know, I, I took it to the complete opposite, right? I was like, oh, well, somebody at work loves me. So I'll just attach myself over here. Like, but they're all like, it all stems from just completely just finding yourself not filling your own cup up, giving your own self some grace and, and just getting out of your own way and really sitting with some of these feelings, getting back in touch with like, what do you love to do? Like get a journal and be like, start thinking about what is something that you love to do that would bring you joy and like, go do it. Go do that. Yeah. This is exactly the same experience I have with most of my clients too. It's in that personal life realm that they're unfulfilled. You know, it really is unfulfilled. Like if you can't think of what you like to do and what lights you up and what makes you smile, whether it's a hobby or some activity or people or like whatever your thing is, if you can't think of things, and we talk about this all the time in my private Facebook group too, that like, what do you love? And people are like, I have no idea who I am anymore. Like yes. I'm getting sober now and I have no idea what I like to do because our lives become all about drinking and everything we do mm -hmm. is drinking. So it's all drinking activities and you really lose sight of what actually brings you joy because yes. we just sit on our lazy asses and drink, right? <laughs> and you can do anything and drink and tell yourself you're having fun, right? It just makes you super lazy and uncreative. Yes. Like it just deadens everything when you just drink and you use drink as your way to connect with your spouse and you use drink as your method of having fun mm -hmm. and you use drink as your way to connect with coworkers or friends, right? Like everything becomes about drinking and you take yes. that away and it's like, wow, well, what do I do with my time? And it, you just end up having this huge void and this huge mm -hmm. piece of your life that's so important that's completely unfulfilled. Oh, that is, it is so true. I always say, you know, like when you're drinking, it really, you're basically robbing your creativity. It's stealing that creativity, like that inner child that like, like you said, like love to do some things and you can't even like function. You don't even know what you love to do because whatever you were doing, you were just going out and drinking. Like I remember when I was in that season of my life, like that's every weekend consumed, like, where are we going? Oh, wait, do they have alcohol? Let's make sure they have the drinks there, like drink specials, happy hour. Like 
yeah, it just consumed you where you're getting, you're organizing your friends and you're like, are we organizing to have a good time? Or are we just organizing to go drink? And so it can really take over your entire life. I love to do an exercise with my clients that really taps into that inner child, because I always say like, whatever you love to do at like eight, nine, 10, like you probably still love to do that now. And when I started like really reflecting on that, like at a young age, um, I went to school and my degree was in communications. Like I've always loved talking. (laughs) I got in trouble a lot in my classrooms because I love to talk. So I always had something to say. And I always knew at a young age, I was like, I wanted, I love to talk and write. And I stopped doing all that in my career. Like I never wrote or sat down or read or anything. And so when I got back into that and I made myself sit down and I started like putting pen to paper and I was like, wow, I have a lot to say here. I like knew at a very young age, I, I envisioned myself like being on stages, speaking. I was always the leader in my circle of friends, always planning events, organizing events. So I started to get that vision back again. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this is definitely what I'm called to do. Like I can use like my mess now as my message. I can go on stages. I can help you know, I can still use my people pleasing and my contribution, like my why in life is to contribute to others. Like now I can use that for good. I can use my story to speak and be on stages. Like who would have known, right? I always think purpose is so funny. We can find our purpose sometimes in our mess, sometimes in our battles. Um, God has a funny way of doing that sometimes where he'll finally, if you don't sit down, he'll sit you down and he'll say, all right, you, here's the thing. (laughs) And sometimes you might hear that and you're like, I remember when I like heard those voices and I'm like, all right, you want me to speak openly on social media, on stages, in a book and talk openly about having an affair. Like my family knew, right? My, my close ones, but we had so many friends that didn't know for a while. And one by one, he just kept bringing me women after women that didn't know us like during the affair, like afterwards, right? Like our kids, parents and things like that, baseball moms. And they would start saying like, you know, you and Jack, my husband's named Jack, we're Jack and Jill. That's always a, a funny thing. Like you and Jack have a, <laughs> you and Jack have a great marriage. Like you guys are so happy. Like, you know, here's the deal. Like, here's what's going on in my marriage and da, 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 da. And that's when the light bulb kept started coming off. It's like, mm, I need to be openly sharing this, not just like one by one, but like there's women out there that need to hear this, like to help them with whatever it is that they're going through, whether it's burnout, whether it's infidelity, like they're all tied together. And most importantly, how do I help these women find freedom, like freedom from their past, freedom from yesterday, like freedom to go back and find that inner girl that's just dying. Like you said, dying to be fulfilled again. Like break out of that chain and like find that passion that lights you up inside. Yeah. And I say to my clients through the same thing, like you're talking about going all the way back to being a kid and which I did for sure, because I'm telling you eight for me was one of my best years. (laughs) Like eight was so good. (laughs) So much fun. But it's like, you have to think back to before alcohol hijacked your life, right? Like what did you like to do before everything started to revolve around drinking? Like that's how you start to get in touch with uh, what does light you up or what you're curious about. Mm -hmm. Or also thinking I had so many fears. I was so fearful of everything when I was a young person, certainly a drinking person in my 20s. I was so painfully insecure. And Mm. I let fear hold me back from anything and everything. 
And in my sober life, I made a commitment to myself that I wouldn't do that. So now as an older person, right, I'm 50 years old and I'm thinking like, what are some of these things that I thought about my whole adult life that I wanted to do or wanted to try that I haven't done yet? And I'm going to doing that stuff, you know, like because I want, because I'm not so fearful now and this is what I want to do. And I've always wanted to do this. So that was another way that I kind of thought about it is like, what are the things that have just been consistent thoughts and curiosities and, oh, I wish I could, or, oh, I'd love to maybe do that one day. Like what are those things that have been over the course of your life that you've thought about and you've never taken action and then start taking action and doing that stuff? Oh, absolutely. I always say that. I'm like, what is your someday? What is your someday? And what is holding you back from doing it? Because your someday may never come. So start working on it now. Like stop waiting let, you know, ditch the fear, ditch the inner critic and just like do it because it will bring you so much joy. If you just stop thinking, worrying, planning, like just do the dang thing. (laughs) Yeah. So share with us a little, how you started to rebuild your relationship Mm -hmm. after something devastating. And because although Everybody might not be in the exact same position. We talk about this a lot in recovery too. Like my details are not going to perfectly match every other person's drinking details. You know, the details are different. Where we can all connect is in the feelings. We -hmm. all understand those feelings. We all understand what a rock bottom moment feels like, regardless of what the rock bottom moment is about. So for everybody, it might not be an affair, but it might be drinking and having to get sober. And that might be (laughs) the devastating moment in their relationship that they're having to face because we do some pretty crazy things drinking too. There's a lot of dishonesty and deception and manipulation. So when you're in this situation Mm-hmm. And it all comes out. I don't know how it came out, but you're yeah. facing the repair of that. Share yes. with us a little bit what that process was like. Yeah, that's a great question. So in that moment when it came out, came open, you know, of course, the immediate response there is is defense and denial and and all the things, right? The blaming. But the one thing, you know, the one thing I said, I was always good at communicating in my career, you know, that's what I went to school for in, in, in college, but I was terrible at communicating in my marriage. Like there was just this fear that just like muted my voice. You know, I wasn't speaking up for the things that I wanted in my marriage that I knew I deserved. Like I just kept hiding. And so I always say the, the thing that changed really drastically for me was speaking my truth and, and owning my power. And so I, I say, stop talking and start communicating. Like there's a difference. Talking is just, it's just opening your mouth and letting words flow. Communicating is actually organizing your thoughts in a way that you wish others or yourself to respond or have an action, right? So like if you're suffering from alcohol, you probably have said many times, I've got to stop drinking. I've got to stop drinking. I've got to stop drinking. Well, that's just talking, right? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to change? What's the one habit 
that you can create. I always say habits habits are a result of the what we think about ourselves. So the things that we do is driven by the what we think about ourselves. But that's the great thing is we can change our habits. And so in my relationship, I realized I was doing a lot of just talking, a lot of blaming, a lot of assumptions, right? I assume that he didn't love me. Well, our marriage, the reasons why I felt that was because my husband had a drinking problem. And I started thinking that everything result revolved around drinking in our marriage. Like wherever we were going to go, it had to have beer there. Like if we were going to go to a family outing, well, if we're going to go to a park and we're going to go to a playground, like we're going to pack a cooler of beer and put it in our Yeti, right? Like we can't just have a family thing. And so I began to like, that was really boiling up inside of me. The fact that I thought, gosh, he doesn't love this family. He doesn't love me. Like all he cares about is he cares more about drinking than he cares about me. But of course, like I say, I talked about it, but I talked about it. Guess when? When he was drunk or I was drunk, right? (laughs) Yeah. So the anger would just boil up to the point that we're in, you know, now we're, we're drunk and now we're going to talk about this. Like that doesn't work. And so that cycle was like on repeat over and over and over again. And so the thing that we did was like, finally, it took me to hit my rock bottom for the affair to come out that then he realized how much his alcohol was affecting our marriage. Um, And then we just started openly, you know, communicating. Now that took time. Like I was in a defense mode. I was like adamant that I needed the divorce, like moved out for a little bit. And it was in those moments of stillness and in the condo where the noise got quieter. And I really realized like, I don't want this. Like, I really don't want, I want to be with my husband. We just have to make some changes. So Mm -hmm. he started showing me respect that he would be willing to let go of, of the alcohol. And when, when I could start seeing changes in him and I, and then he also said like, you've got to start communicating to me. Like, I've got to know what you're feeling, what you're thinking. Like we've got, if we're going to make this marriage work, we've got to communicate. And that is one thing that every person who is in a marriage knows, like it does, it's marriage is not easy, but if you're not talking or not talking, if you're not communicating and you're just talking and you're just pointing orders and pointing fingers, like that's not going to work. And so we got really intentional about communicating. He communicated and, and made like it's night and day, night and day. And so that was honestly huge in helping us to rekindle that and get back. I had to also, you know, realize what are things that's going to increase his anxiety, right? Because I had to go to this job where this person was at for four years after that affair. And that person was still sitting, you know, in the office down the hallway. That's a talk about commitment from my husband. And so in order to get through that, I had to be communicating to him throughout the day. I had to build that trust Mm -hmm. back. And so that meant setting boundaries for myself instead of working till 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. Like that would have fueled his anxiety. Like, is she really working or are they just doing something after work? And so I was intentional. Like I blocked from four to five on my calendar, like so that I could be out of there at five o'clock. Like that was my time to wrap up my day. I was not going to be stuck in a meeting because I was intentional. I wanted this to work. So I had to make some changes. I had to not let my work consume me anymore. And so we both like made changes and we both started communicating. And I think when you're 
really wanting to change your life, what is it? Like quit talking about it, start communicating, start making the actions. And that being intentional, like you said, you blocked off the last hour of your day to wrap up because your commitment was to be out of there at that time. Those are the pieces I feel like people are so missing. You know, it's like when when you are intentionally choosing what you want your life to look like, what you want your relationship to look like, when you are Mm -hmm. setting those boundaries, you're taking those actions to make it the way you want it to be. It's not just about going, oh, I hope this works out. It's being intentional and you make it the way you want it to be. That's so powerful. We as human beings are so fearful of I think it is kind of human nature to be fearful of confrontation. And you're talking about having some extremely difficult conversations as every relationship has. You have to communicate through those things, whether you like it or not. Conversations are not always going to feel good. They're not always going to go well. Mm -hmm. And we get so wrapped up in the fear of it going bad and not knowing what to say and it ending up in a fight that we avoid. And All of that you said, I love Mm -hmm. too, because it shows also that you can be in this sort of rock bottom space and the end result does not have to be negative, right? Like you took that time and went, moved Mm -hmm. out and had that time and figured out like, oh, wow, wait a minute. I really do want to put this work in to stay together. I do want to be intentional about this. I do want to get through this and communicate about it. So just because you have a really devastating moment doesn't mean the end result has to be terrible. That's right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can take that and and learn. I always say there's like a hidden gem there, right? Always. In our battles, in our storms. There's always a hidden opportunity. So there's either an opportunity or there's a lesson. And which one is it? What is it? You know, what are, what's speaking to your heart about this? Because I think, you know, I, some of the stories that we hear, I think this world lives, I mean, that's why podcasts are growing is because people thrive on hearing stories. The reason why is because it's relatable. Yeah. You find something like, oh my gosh, that's so relatable. That's so me. That's why I created my podcast was because in that moment of despair and where I felt all alone, because that's what the inner critic loves to do is make you think that, oh my gosh, like you're, you know, you're, everybody's going to reject you. Like you're just, you know, you're the only one, like, look how evil and of a person you are. Like you call yourself a Christian and look what you're doing, like all these lies. And it's like in those moments where you can like really look at that and think, how can I use this for good? What, what's the lesson? Because all things do, we can we can really, if we be intentional, we sit with that. We can really say, what's the lesson or what's the opportunity? What what can I learn from it? And hearing a story is so impactful, and that's why I share these stories on my podcast and like love podcasts is because I give the mm-hmm. women this chance to feel that they're not so alone, and they can like find a safe space to hear. Oh my gosh, I can relate to that. I'm not alone, and it just makes us feel better. So. We just crave stories all the time. Yeah. And the powerful well, ones are the ones that you have that rock bottom moment. I think the, the stories are those of those people who have turned that, that rock bottom moment and used it for something good or inspirational. Yeah. 
I appreciate so much you sharing your story because I know that's not easy. You know, it's not easy to share things that you're not necessarily proud of and decisions you've made that you aren't necessarily proud of that don't show you in the best light. It is hard to step up and share that stuff, but you're exactly right. It is so important that we do it because there are so many people struggling with all of these life things and we have to share our stories Mm -hmm. and know, let people know that you are loved and it's okay. And we're all broken and we can all be fixed, you know? Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. I think being authentic is so powerful. Jill, thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me. I love these topics. I could talk about this all day. Likewise. Thank you so much. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.